Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, which shares a story of spiritual awakening, communication, healing energies, many miracles, and ways to discover intuition for a healthier, more prosperous life journey. And I am delighted to welcome Mina Samuels, author of Run Like a Girl 365 Days a Year, who advocates an authentic life that embraces the mess, the complexity, and the contradictions, actually a life where personal transformation comes from within. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on Healing from Within. Thank you so much for having me, Cheryl. Mina, as listeners of Healing from Within are well aware... My guests and I, well, we share intimate stories and insights into the possibilities to securing and arranging and uh, developing a healthy, prosperous, and adventuresome life as a result of personal awareness, self-investigation, and higher consciousness while we explore the metaphysical world to discover the multidimensional aspects of both human and spiritual life. By knowing more about who we are, it seems we're able to create through thoughts, actions, and behaviors the best version of self and the best version of life for ourselves. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Minda will share with us the quickest path to authenticity, knowing who we are, embracing our strengths, and forgiving our failures. We will discover Uh, that perhaps having a friend to remind us that transformation is an ongoing process with no finish line in sight and that we have unlimited potential within us that seeks to reach out into the world and to make connections that enrich our life. And your book does that very well. I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and remember a person, a place, an event, a sense of value that may have shown you or others the adult that you would grow into and the lifestyle you would embrace, as I believe the desires and goals are already present in the child and we simply need to to find our way forward. So think back for a minute. Well, I have two memories that come to mind almost immediately when you say that. One of them is being, one of them is being at summer camp as a girl and um, going out, having the opportunity to go out in the canoe, we could do canoeing, and I was going out by myself, which was somewhat unusual, um, to practice my solo canoeing skills. And I remember just feeling I was doing circles in the canoe and I was out in the middle of the lake by myself, something which I found a little bit intimidating, to be honest, even though I was a great swimmer and I was a good canoeist. But there, it was the first time I'd been allowed to really just go out by myself. And um, there was something in that communion with nature and my own independence and exploring my own skills that really has stuck with me. And when I say that, I should also be clear that it didn't stick with me right away. Right, you know, right after it occurred, I kind of forgot about it. And so it's one of those memories that came back to me gradually, I feel like, 
and started to reinform um, my life as if exactly what you were saying and asking the question happened that I was who I was going to become who I feel like I am now was there in that canoe and it was a moment in my teenage life when I felt really complete and whole and and connected, I think. And connected. connected. Exactly. You know what I hear? And yeah. When I no, hear, no, please. When please. I hear that, it comes to me that you conquered a fear. You realized and recognized that you were separate at that moment and alone, and though you had the ability to, to, to take care of yourself, for a moment you had fear, but you embraced it you went into it so many people would not have even done that right so you gave yourself a chance to grow you it was a self-investigative process at that moment something you were going to do all the rest of your life because you were already embarking on it and you conquered it you conquered it so you knew that you had the power to do that with almost anything else that would challenge you along the way. I think it's a wonderful story of all the authors that I have interviewed. I have never <laughs> said that to them, that they conquered wow. and challenged themselves and, and went into the fear element and just conquered it beautifully. So that's a great great story let's go on to tell us something about the former the format of your book run like a girl 365 days a year tell us about the format and how you might suggest the reader get the most out of the format i would love to talk about that i uh the format is written as a book of days which just means it's written as a journal day by day january 1 january 2 um, I'll start with the second part of your question, which is how should people read it? They should read it how they feel comfortable reading it. It is written and constructed to be read sequentially. Um, but if someone wants to read it another way, that's, you know, the book will work just a little less well. Because I feel like what I've tried to construct is a, psych a sort of a cyclical journey through different themes and um, they build on each other. So there is an assumption later in the book that the reader has encountered, um, even if they don't quite remember it, that they have encountered uh, a theme or a topic or an event before. So well, well, um, tell, tell, I, tell our listeners what some of the topics are. Huh. So the topics range from how our literally our physical activity and our sports um, impact our life um, on a day-to-day -day basis, how we deal with it daily, and then over the long term, how this connection to our physical self enhances our um, ability to manifest in the world in a more authentic um, way with more integrity and with more um, personal truth. Um, other topics that I, I talk a lot about meditation because it's something that I practice and it's something that I think is an extremely interesting way to explore um, our inner landscape and then use it as a way of understanding what's going on in the world around us. 
And I talk um, about nature. There's some environmentalism in the book uh, because part of the theme of the book is that all of this self-awareness um, that we're trying to heighten and this self-exploration, the, the ultimate purpose of it is to be able to be in the world in a more purposeful and meaningful way, by which I mean in a way that contributes to all of us, in a way that is um, creating a ripple of compassion and kindness and attention and presence for everyone to receive. That's why we ultimately seek transformation, I believe. Yes. Um, so your entries in the book and your descriptions and your photograph are seeking to help people unify, find the oneness, find the truth of who they are as spiritual beings having a physical life and running and athletics and uh, self-investigation and our emotions, our mind, our physical body are all part of the intricate fabric of energy of who we are as energetic beings and you express that quite well in all your entries in the book but let's get on to why did you shift your career from a human rights lawyer to an author and athlete and you were also a very creative person a writer a playwright and performer you say you are aware of past life interest can you tell us about that yes um, Those are three questions, but I put them all well, into one. Start with whatever well, engages well, you. Uh, well, I I once went to an energy healer, and um, what he said so resonated with me that it is, is very much stuck, which was that um, uh, in a past life, or perhaps in more than one past life, I was either a a woman in a very um a very difficult situation of either abuse or poverty or i was working um with other women who were, who were in such a situation i'm not sure which well, that, uh, oh is is, the, is that why you became a human rights lawyer had you heard that before you know, you went into law? I had, no, I had not. I had not at all. I would just say that I, when I went into law in the first place, I went in because I thought it was a, I thought it was work that was practical mm-hmm. and you know and and in the real world, but that but was a place where I could make a difference, and I really wanted to do something that I felt um, was going to be meaningful in the world. So it wasn't until after I had um, stopped practicing law that I learned um, this piece of information, but it resonated for me because I thought, oh, well, that explains why I'm so, in everything that I write, um, my focus has always been um, women. It's what I'm always drawn to write about um, from various different perspectives. I wrote a novel that was about um a, a true historical figure who was the wife of um, a philosopher who was very much sidelined by historians. And when I came across her, I thought, oh, I want to I rescue her from this in a fictionalized way. 
and since then, you know, Run Like a Girl obviously focuses on women. Play I um, just wrote was focuses on women. So it's an abiding an abiding interest for me. And when he gave me that information, I just thought, oh, well, that explains, you know, why I am constantly drawn to these topics. Yeah. Well, I believe we've had many past life experiences in many places our energy our soul knows so much more than we can see in this finite physical life so uh, I'm glad you mentioned that and uh, you do offer suggestions for how to advance an understanding of one's spiritual goals and their potential and what are some of the practices you recommend the first one you say is to engage with the world <laughs> I love it. It's, you can't you can't hide from it. You can't run from it. Now, when you run as a sport, you are not running away. You are running to have the time and connection to your energy and your peace and your physical body to ground your spiritual energy in your physical body and to be at peace with everything in the yes. world. So <laughs> I know that you know. I would assume many runners that- are like that. Not all, not all, but many. So tell us some not more all. of the. Not all, no. What, but what are some of the practices you recommend? Engage with the world was one. Engage with the world, definitely. I, I would say that on the opposite end of that spectrum, I think it's important to. I, I think meditation is an important practice. I think that, and I and I think it's very distinct from running because that has been coming up around this book whether you know running is a meditation. And for me, running is a form of mindfulness, and mm-hmm. it's a place where I tune in to how my body is feeling and how I'm feeling about the world. It gives me all of that opportunity. It does give me an opportunity to slough off um, uh, negative energies and to, you know, sort of let them run through my veins, um, almost literally, I would say. It, it gives me that feeling of, okay, now this is moving, and I can unblock it a little bit. Um, but meditation, the, the practice of sitting, sitting in a, in a state of stillness and observing and noticing and watching what is happening inside my body-mind, I think is an extremely important um, practice that also helps us then engage um, with the world. So I would I would definitely um, add that to the list. And I think just generally, not just running, but any kind of physical activity and using our bodies. I mean, for me, using my body is part of my whole creative process. And, um, for example, when we were creating this play, I just wrote using our bodies in the rehearsal room to actually just physicalize without getting caught up in our head and words. Um, was and it was intrinsic to our creative um, process. So I think that that engaging, we engage with the world, and then we engage with our full, complete self, which is, as you said earlier, we are energetic beings, and we think that we can compartmentalize our energy, but we can't. We're multidimensional no. beings. That's why they talk of integrative medicine and healing as being mind, body, and spirit. When you separate them, 
you, you lose the purpose of what life's really about. It's in, the, it's in the unity and the oneness and the integration that we remember who we are. And that's the question many of us have. Who are we? Where did we come from? What happens at the time of physical death? Does consciousness survive physical death? Now, I'm a medium. I'm an intuitive and a healer. And I, I know I have found the answers to that over many, many years of practical experiences. You started off in lore because you wanted to be practical and be in the physical world. I started off as a teacher. And we wanted to fit into the world because we were trained uh, by our teachers, our parents, what to do. But our spirit, over time, knew something greater than that, and we started to work from within ourselves to project this magnificent wisdom and soul energy out into the world. We didn't need to take it from out there. We already had it within us. So I, I like that you said that. But let's go on to, you speak of many injuries, small and large, that athletes deal with. And on your writing, January 8th, you say, and I like this very much, the symphony is playing. Tell us what you mean by this. Oh, I use that metaphor a few times in the book because there's this sense that we have in our lives when we're injured that we feel like things have paused and that we are incomplete all of a sudden because, right. oh, this is injured. And so... When I am back to myself again, but what is I? That expression has has always mystified me because I think when I'm back to myself, well, who, well, where are you right now if you're not yourself? So I'm thinking of it as our entire body and mind and spirit is this symphony mm. that is playing. And it's always playing. And sometimes some of the instruments are out of key. And sometimes some of the instruments just aren't even present at all for a while. But the song is playing and it's going on. And if we can just tune into it a little bit more, it is still beautiful, whether or not we think that one instrument would be a little bit better in this way and another instrument would be a little bit better in another way. So that that is just sort of my metaphor for... Um, the beauty of our wholeness. Yes, you say some people are waiting for the symphony to start, but it's already playing. It's been playing from the minute we were born, before we were born. The peace has started. The music is our life, and we are flowing with it in, in the beauty we hope to create, all of us on this planet. Everyone wants to have peace and love and happiness and joy, and it is available but sometimes they separate themselves, resist it, and think they must control instead of flow and not resist. So uh, I think that was expressed very beautifully by you. Now, you know, Mina, one of my granddaughters was recently involved in school in a bullying situation, which is far too common in today's fast-moving technological society and with social media and with the expectations so many parents have for their children. So I made her a little book, something like yours, with each page, of course simpler, with each page reflecting a new way to value herself and her uniqueness so she could develop self-confidence and an awareness of her many spiritual gifts. Now, 
on your January 12th entry, you say, strive for excellence, not perfection. And that was one of, before I read your book, that was one of the entries that I made for her. So tell us about that, Mm. what you think about excellence and perfection. It's very important for young people to be aware of this. They're trying so hard to please everyone, and they're losing themselves often in the process and having so much fear and anxiety. So tell us something about that. Well, Jung said that, Carl Jung said that perfection was for the gods. And um, and I think that he really captures it. It's a mythological thing, perfection. It's it's um, capricious and it's subjective, and it has nothing to do with us because we can't. We don't even want to achieve perfection. If if we were in a state of perfection, why would we do anything? I mean, what would even drive us to get out of bed in the morning thing, in the morning? Whereas excellence is this ongoing energy that surrounds our life to try to do something just a little bit better today than how we did it yesterday. And it's personal. And it, it, it it's related to exactly who we are, our own individual um, special offering to the world, as opposed to perfection, which is some which is put out there as some weird universal standard, one size fits all, which is absolutely impossible. And and we don't even want that. We don't want everything to be exactly the same, which is what perfection sort of implies. Yes, ultimately. absolutely. And we are perfect in our imperfection because that gives us uh, the journey forward to strive for something excellent within ourselves, not with competition necessarily with other people. Or the outside world, but to 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 find something within ourselves that's new each day, as you just said that. And I love that you mentioned Carl Jung because he's one of my favorite spiritualists. He was a spiritual psychologist. He believed in helping people discover who they were and to focus on creating what they need in the present time, without always bringing up and reliving the past and the pain of, pain of past memories because he understood the soul nature of our lives. He also had a near-death experience, so he was aware that we're energetic beings or spiritual beings. And I love that you brought him up. <laughs> He's one of my favorites. Mm. And so I did not know he'd had a near-death experience either. So oh, yes he, wrote, to look into that. yes, he wrote something very beautiful about that. And you, you will check that out because... Uh, yeah, he was he was not your typical psychologist who just wanted to talk about the problems and continue to relive them, like um, call hmm. yeah, like uh, yeah Freud. Freud just wanted to continue to talk about the trauma, but Carl Jung wanted to think of new ways to develop ourselves past the past, put the past in the past, and live in the present hmm. moment. So. He was what you would call a spiritual psychologist, the, maybe one of the first ones. So let's go on to, on January 20th, you wrote, Our Lives Have Meaning, an important, really important thought to ponder. And you wrote, Some mornings I wake up and wonder if my life has meaning. Like after I've talked to someone as passionately engaged as Leslie Sobel, who wrote the Kasha Terminus 
reliquary. Reliquary. Well, right. (laughs) But we all make the world a better place, be good people, and contribute. Our athletes are preparation and practice. Our athletic structure is preparation and practice for that greater work. So what did you mean about that? I don't know who Leslie Sobel is. Oh, she is a woman I interviewed for the book who is doing um, environmental activism through her art. And um, I I guess what I meant by that is just this feeling sometimes like our life isn't going to have meaning unless we literally go to Africa and dig wells. And, um, And that, you know, we think, well, that's a thing that's meaningful, and we don't we don't remember that how we treat every single person that we encounter every single day is part of the meaning that we're making in our lives. And that um, we, all of us have an opportunity almost any time we're engaged with other people, which is pretty much all the time, even when we're by ourselves, there is some energy that's going out there. We have an opportunity to make choices between making the world a better place, a kinder place, a more compassionate place, or not. And, um, that's and so that's Yeah, it's exactly right. You're exactly right. It's not what we're doing or where we go or writing a book or a symphony. It's who we are becoming as we remember who we already are and putting that energy into the world in every interaction, in every action, in every lovely thought or gaze that we have at another person and finding that compassion that you spoke about at the beginning so yes you're exactly we're we're exactly in tune on that now when I look at a book with individual dated entries like yours I always love to go to my birth date which is September 16th and people reading books can open it in the morning and just turn to any page and they will have the answer that they need for the question they're asking your book is very good for doing that. But I, I went to my birth date, because I sometimes like to do that, and I read Teardrop. And you wrote, With my shirt off, the light chill on my stomach felt like a childhood memory of my m- mother blowing on my soft baby tummy. Had my mother actually done that? Or was I tapping into the collective memory of all the babies whose mothers and fathers had blown on their tummies? On that September morning run, the air in my skin merged and humidity mingling as if I were suspended inside a teardrop, the breath of the universe tickling my skin, comforting me. Now, in reading that, I wasn't sure if parents blowing on their children's tummy was a comforting event or intrusive. For me personally, as a sensitive, I know I would not have welcomed that so what were you trying to explore in that deep thought I was thinking about you know it's funny because as I say I don't remember whether or not that has happened but I know it's a thing that um, I have done with babies you know that sort of you do the what do you call it blowing a raspberry or just like blowing on their tummy to you know get a little child to laugh and um, because it you know kind of tickles and I, that was a run I did um, when I was home visiting my parents um, when my father was uh, very ill with cancer. And so I was 
um, thinking about him and conversations that we had had. And so I was very much caught up in thinking about, you know, the ways in which our parents affect our lives. Um, and I, and, and that sort of desire to make another person feel safe and happy that we think of as that the co- being at the core of parenting. Well, and really, we're all par- we're all parenting the world. Yes, you know, as soon uh, as, yes. once we become adults, that that is one of our tasks is to is to kind of parent the world. Right, but as I say, you know, some people would see doing that as something fun or good. Many people would see that as a bit intrusive and treating. I mean, I as a teacher and as a mother and grandmother. I treat everyone in a mature fashion so that they can have confidence in their own choices and decisions. And for our parents out there, you really need to respect and know your children and know what they're comfortable with. See, I wasn't comfortable with this. So so I, I just say it's beautiful. The thought is beautiful. We want to show love. But at the same time, we have to know, you know, what's comfortable within and without our body. And I want to thank you, Mina Samuels, author of Run Like a Girl, 365 Days a Year, a journal of thoughts and insights into the beauty of life through personal self-investigation and finding joy and connectedness in the physical and spiritual aspects of nature, family, friends, and athletics, daily experiencing experiences incorporating a love for sports and self and emerging of mind body and spirit for health and for joy to learn more about finding yourself in daily challenges and through movement and sports go to mina m-i-n-a samuels dot com and to purchase this book go to amazon dot com in summarizing today's episode of healing from within We have followed a journey of the heart, spirit, and physical body, enjoying new sports activities and travel journeys, finding in the poetic messages of each day written by Mina within the pages of a diary or journal and the photographs as a way to see life and self in a connected interplay of energy that grounds us to our physical life and to higher consciousness and awareness. There is love and self-doubt, joy, some fear, sorrow, and exhalation, but always movement towards a personal journey of discovery of the really valuable ingredients for living life with passion, zest, and understanding who we are in the process. Mina and I would have you explore the poetic thoughts that reside within you, in music that sings to your heart, and in our everyday appreciation of what's good in our lives, our work, family, friends, and sports, and how we are growing personally by everyday experiences while learning to allow, accept, and surrender to the flow of life without controlling it, but being part of the newness of each day and new interaction with others. Life is simply made better by participating and moving in sync with the rhythm of life. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within, 
and invite you to visit my website, CherylGlick.com, to read about and listen to leaders in the metaphysical, scientific, spiritual, medical, educational, and the arts and music share experiences and insights into the complete human and divine experience of life, self-investigation, self-mastery of motion, of emotions and the mystical magical world of possibilities shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com thank you <laughs>